Lost Talk Radio. This program has been made possible by Weatherby Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City. Well, welcome to this edition of Wealth Psychology on Sylvia Global Media. My name is Emily Bouchard. I'm with the Wealth Legacy Group. And my co-host and partner, Jamie Traeger-Muni from Israel, is finishing up her chemotherapy. This is her last week. We're really excited. She's going through breast cancer treatment. She's doing amazingly well and uh, sends her regards. And we'll be getting posts from her from Israel about this show. And our goal for this show is uh, about changing the cultural conversation about money and wealth. We see it as the last taboo, and it's causing a lot of issues in people's lives because people don't know how to address their concerns around money and wealth in an effective, productive, competent way. And we are here to change that, and we have phenomenal speakers and guests to help us with that. Today's show is no exception, and we have an amazing guest today, really excited. Her name is Dr. Tony Gallardi, and she is the author of Lifequake, How to Thrive, Not Just Survive in Times of Personal and Global Upheaval, and it is a body, mind, and spirit technology for mastering the fear of change and creating a roadmap for a passionate, authentic life. Wow. Dr. Tony is uh, known in broadcast and print media. She is your recurring guest on crisis management for ABC and Fox and other networks. You're quoted in the New York Times Daily News, New York Post, and other national magazines. And you also have an advice column called Ask the Lifequake Doctor in Vision and Counselor magazines. That's great. Uh, Dr. Tony Gallardi also works with people directly through her speaking and one-on-one trans- transition specialist, astrologer, and career coach. And what I'm really excited about today's topic. Uh, Dr. Tony speaks about transitions from all sorts of different perspectives, and we are talking about abundanza. Could you please define that and why that has to do with transitions? And we'll just jump into that, and then I want to hear about your story. So. What is abundanza? It literally translates from Italian as abundance, but it's a word that's used to mean the plenty of, you know, a a generous, I use it in talking about generosity. So how are you, how do you be in the world as abundanza means how generous are you? So, um, you know, I'm guessing you come from an Italian background, is that? Indeed. (laughs) My father is an Italian immigrant. So you've lived this. You were steeped in the sense of abundance and what it's like to have it and what it's not. Or how, how did you? Come I would to say I've, I've lived both sides of that coin. Ah, for sure. Great. I know what it's, what it's like to go through transitions uh, where what's being what's being called for is a retooling of who you are. So sometimes you go through financial changes, and I know what that feels like. And I also know what it is to have the money flowing easily. So. 
Wow, well, this is great. As you've personally experienced it, and I know you've worked with a number of clients who have, and we are here to really serve people around this emotional impact that money and wealth in particular can have in their lives. And um, one of the things I want to bring forward is that a lot of times people don't necessarily think of getting an inheritance or getting a windfall being a time of upheaval, but it really is. It can be very traumatic and uh you know, you have an identity at one level, and then all of a sudden, who am I now with this? Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a lot that happens with that. And so we're hoping that today we can learn a little bit about what you know about how to face transitions from a really sourced place. And can we start with finding out why you even got into this topic and, you know, why you talk about transitions at all? Um, I went through three near-death experiences in my life, and... Um, I started to see that the pattern was that I wasn't making changes when I needed to, so I had to actually get hit over the head. And um, as a therapist and as an executive coach, I think in terms of systems and methods, and I decided to create my own method in terms of helping people prepare for change. So when a crisis hits and financial you know, abundance, quote-unquote, can be that kind of crisis. That's why when people win the lottery, you know, the stories on what has happened so often that the crisis of identity creates a meltdown, a schism between their sense of who they were before and this outer reality. So what Abundanza, the Abundanza method is about is how do you create that on the inner level so that no matter what's going on outside, you know, the, the you know, the, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, <laughs> yeah. you know, can come and go, and you still are in abundanza, you know, yeah. because it's an inside job. Uh, inside job, I love it. You know, it's so fascinating. I was just having dinner last night with a man who owns a number of hotels, and he was telling me about this uh, one hotel that's a suite, it's like a, you know, where you can stay for longer times. And they had a couple that stayed there for a year, mm-hmm. and they got curious. And over the year, they they actually found out that the couple had won the lottery. And they had gone there to hide out because they um, they needed like that time to adjust, find out who they were, and they were hiding from wow. um, all the relatives and all the people that were going to come out of the woodwork. Yeah. To, to some, you know, how do they trust that? So they yeah. they went into like a holding pattern, and it's an amazing thing. And I wanted to hear when you went through these incredible, I mean, three near-death experiences like you say that kind of like oh yeah I went through that that's pretty astonishing and what did you well, it was over 20 year period it's every seven every seven years but oh, yeah okay every <laughs> seven years those of us that have never gone through one you know okay every time all right so every seven years you went through that and you developed this method what did you discover and learn really like made the biggest difference that you drew from it sounds like from your Italian heritage from the sense of how do I be sourced internally I think the thing that I learned the most from those experiences is <clears throat> that it's so important to have yourself that wherever you go, when, the last uh, near-death experience I had was my house was killing me. You know, I, I didn't know that I had this virulent mold in the, the walls of my home. So when I had to move out of my, my house, I had to move, I was given two hours notice. When the consultant came in and he said, look, if you're getting sick, which I was getting very sick, He said, you have to get out of here, lady. You know, this stuff kills people. And so I had to move into a motel. I, you know, I had to walk away from all of my possessions, including my photographs, 
you know, um, pictures, paintings, things that had a lot of meaning for me and had to live very, very simply in a motel for a couple of months. So I really learned to, to look at the inside, like what is it on every day that I can create abundanza? What, what, what can I make of this day? Like, oh, I get free maid service every day. You know, I have maid service by the motel or, you know, my car is now in a park, in underground parking, so I, I can, it doesn't have to be cleaned as often. I just kept trying to find ways, because the doctors were telling me that this was tied to 13 different kinds of cancers. It stays on the DNA for 20 years. So I was being, and there's, and they didn't know how to treat it. They don't know how to, they did not know how to treat mold intox, intoxication. So, um, all, I just started doing a lot of research and came up with kind of my own protocol for detoxing. So you have to just keep looking for what are the things that are the blessings in life. And in Italian, there are two words, my two favorite Italian words are grazie and grazia. And grazie means thank you. So putting into this day, when you start the day, thank you in, a, in advance for whatever the day shows me. And grazia means great. So how can I find the grace in everything that unfolds in this day? And I just find that Italian words make me happy, you know, when I say them. So. Yeah, they sound they sound like happy words. I mean, I yeah. love hearing that. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it's interesting when you were speaking about that, one thing I heard that I think um, our viewers and our listeners will really appreciate is the sense of, oh, my gosh, you had to walk away from everything. Like, you know, you hear about people, like, if you have a flood or fire, it's like you grab your pictures, and that's, like, the thing you want or your pet. And it's like you had to leave everything. You had to walk away from everything. And, you know, so often we can get caught in the trappings of uh, being attached to things. Mm -hmm. And you really had to tap into, wow, that quote, you know, no matter where I go, there I am. It's just me. Yeah. And really tapping into that sense of source and well-being. And it's an extraordinary thing when you're in the position like that and also with your health, having to get your health back, the way that you uh, researched and and discovered and discerned. And it's, you didn't just kind of lay down and give up when doctors were telling you that they didn't even know what to do. And you're robust, you're healthy, you're gorgeous. You know, obviously you kicked that toxin and, you know, beat death a third time. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So you've, you've got some secrets. You know, you really have a sense of what what is it that makes it so we can be internally sourced and have that sense of well-being. And it makes me think of that phrase, you know, dis-ease comes from when we're not at peace here. And you were able to tap into that ease and that grace. Can you share a little bit about... I get the grace and the gratitude. Um, what else would you say in terms of Avandanza really supports that? I really believe in body, mind, spirit. So you have to really be addressing every single piece of that. <clears throat> For example, if you're not getting enough sleep, you cannot come from an abundant spirit. You know, Rather, you have gazillions of dollars or nothing. Yep. You know, you're going to come from poverty consciousness if you're sleep deprived. You're going to be cranky. Right. Yes. Right? Pretty simple. No, yep. Nobody's in a happy place, you know, when they're when they're not when they're not getting enough sleep. So that's one piece. And we gotta slow down here because so many of my clients, that's a number one issue. They are not sleeping well. When I check in with them, it's how are you doing? Oh, I did did not sleep well. Got up early. You know, Jamie and I talk a lot about this with um her our time difference. Like we might text each other at different times. It's like, wait, you're still up? 
wait, have a cup of hot milk and go back to sleep. Like we really support yeah. each other in getting yeah. that sleep because it's yeah. where we really draw from that eternal youth source spring. And the yeah. more sleep we get, the better. Yeah. You Thank eat, you. You know, the foods you eat are going to either increase and support serotonin and dopamine levels in the body or they'll deplete them, you know, okay. and too much sugar, too much caffeine, you know, high stimulants will actually deplete the body. And that, that informs your thinking. We need to slow down because you are, a, you know, you're a psychologist, you're really well trained. We have yeah. some listeners that don't know about dopamine yeah. serotonin. Could you just Got take it. a moment? Because this is really good because we think about like antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, but you're saying you can actually do it with food. So I want to slow this down and find out what you're talking about and how we can take care of it with food. So there are chemicals in our body that regulate our mood, you know, and serotonin is what is the calming hormone, you know, the calming neurotransmitter. And uh, dopamine is what gets excited or you have, gives us enthusiasm, for example. I'm simplifying it, but that's, you know, yeah. kind of the deal. So when we um, deplete the body by eating things that are high stimulants with, without a lot of um, power behind them, such as caffeine and sugar, that will inform how you think. You know, will you be thinking from a place of depletion or abundance? Oh. And so the more that we eat, like, and from the Italian culture, one of the things that really supports serotonin is pasta. <laughs> So if you're gluten-free, having, you know, and you're going through, let's say you're going through an anxious, having an anxious day and you've just inherited a lot of money and you don't, you're not sure how your life is going to change and you're feeling really anxious, having some greens, the Mediterranean diet, which is high on greens, you know, um, nice, you know, grilled vegetables and spinach and uh, some pasta, gluten-free brown rice pasta with little Tomato sauce on top, top for the lycopene, you know, will will calm your body. It'll just, you know, just settle everything down and make you very happy. <laughs> wow, this is great. And I love this. And, you know, one of the things you just described is really important for our listeners because uh, we all have this sense of, like, low-carb diet and, you know, avoid those things. And Tony's definitely saying something about gluten-free because she knows I'm gluten-free. <laughs> and, and there are other people that are challenged with that. And I think that uh, one of the things that I want to stress is in our culture, when we're feeling stressed and worried, we tend to overeat. And right. it's not that pasta is bad. It's that we tend to heap on a huge amount of pasta on our plate and eat it unconsciously to try and soothe that um, anxious feeling. And it's much more about, I love that plate you described, you know, the, the Mediterranean diet with the greens and the vegetables and then some pasta and really enjoying it. Like, right. that's so key. And you're, you're, you're you not see in Italy, you know, you don't see people having a dish of, of, it's a side, it's a side of pasta, you know, it's not the, like what we do here in this country, you yeah. know, and so that's it. It's about a balance. Just balance. Yeah. I love that. No, I want to make sure um, anybody who's viewing and wants to get involved in this conversation knows how they can join us. So if you'd like to view this, you can go to YouTube and just, um, Search Sylvia Global, and the station will come up, and you'll get to see this. And then if you want to engage in the conversation, you can simply email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. And uh, you can reach us. Dr. Tony, how would somebody reach you um, if they want to contact you directly? 
Sure. Uh, my website is lifequake.net and lifequake.com. They both point to the same site. Um, Dr. Tony at lifequake.net is my email address. Perfect. Great. So we'll talk more about how people can interface with you. And um, I love being able to talk about food, like launching right into our day with this. And, you know, I want, I don't know if you can see uh, Dr. Tony, but she's very petite and <laughs> really quite beautiful. And she uses pasta. So this is great. Like you can actually have that as part of your prescription. The key mm -hmm. is to do it in moderation. And isn't part of the Italian lifestyle having that sense of, Stopping and relaxing when you eat too, like not like big, eating on the run and like we do here. Big piece of this. You know, there are three aspects of the whole relationship to food that I think we could gain a lot of um, support from looking at the Italians, and that is cooking with love, number one. So that when you're preparing, rather you're preparing it for yourself, just yourself, or for others, that there's that you're putting into the, to your cooking that energy that energy of love and it actually translates you know into you know how people receive it then when you sit down to have a meal that you take your time to literally receive the food into your body we've known from studies that most people after the second bite it no longer registers they're no longer even really taking in and enjoying the food so really being present you know to what you're eating and to and connecting to the people around you, you know, really taking that time to use food as, as kind of just a, uh, a conduit for connection, I think is really important. Oh, yeah, and I think that that's another key piece, too, because um, one of the things I love about your Abundanza method that really supports people in times of transition is uh, taking care of that sense of isolation we, that people can feel. Uh, and so can you speak a little bit about that, like that you're talking about the connectivity yeah. with people? Well, we, we know that when oxytocin, which is the, the hormone in the body that creates bonding, when we have high levels of oxytocin, the desire to connect with others is stronger. But often when people are going through crisis, they isolate. They tend to pull in, you know. And so the more that you can actually reach out, the Italians are big on touching, you know, and, and they have high levels of oxytocin. And oxytocin helps you manage change in terms of resilience. We found that people with high levels of, of this hormone tend to be adapt, more adaptable and more resilient in the face of change. So reaching out and connecting. If you live alone and you work alone, like I work from home and I live alone right now. So what I do is I make sure I get out in the day and I make a connection with uh, the dry cleaner guy and the bank teller. And, you know, the clerk at the grocery store that every single person I make eye contact and real connection. And this increases oxytocin and allows you to feel more resilient in the face of change. That's a really good point. I want to drill down a little bit with that because people that are dealing with um, when you have an inheritance, when you feel like there's something that you actually um, need to be protective of, like, you know, if I really trust somebody and connect with them and my oxytocin levels get higher, I immediately want to bond, merge, get connected, uh -huh. um, and then there's this way in which, of wait, are they going to take advantage of me? Are mm -hmm. they going to, can I really trust them, what their motives mm -hmm. are? And it can yeah. of, often have this sense of isolation, and especially when uh, the inheritance or the money that has come from um, circumstances where you weren't prepared for it and you didn't have a sense of your identity being solid and strong in the face of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
trusting oneself is so much of what you're talking about is coming from that source place internally. Can you speak a little bit about that? If, you know, you you just said it, you know, that that isn't about trusting other people, you know. I mean, that's nice, but you don't have to worry about trusting other people if you first source yourself. So one of the things that's one of the secrets of the Abhidhanza method is finding some kind of practice that you do that creates stillness every Mm -hmm. day. So 20 minutes, for some people it's meditation, for someone else it's qigong or tai chi or just getting quiet and just contemplating, you know, your life and your, your, you know, just breathing in and out. That when you slow the system down and you get quiet and you put before your intuitive wisdom the question, is this someone that I should loan X number of dollars to? Or is this someone I should allow into my life at all? That and, and ask to be shown, if you don't get a message right away, because we often don't, ask to be shown a sign that I'm going to be, in my agreement with the universe is, I'm going to be aware for the divine coincidences that are going to show me, that are going to reveal from the universe, you know, Carl Jung talked about synchronicity, that's going to show me the answer to this question. So this is how you stoke the fires of your own intuitive wisdom. Oh, so then you can trust internally about that. That's a really good point. Yeah, um, there's some people that, I'm thinking about one client in particular who's going through a major life transition. Mm. um, And she uh, was really sourced abundantly by um, her husband who, you know, just gave her whatever she wanted. She had a lot of freedom to spend a tremendous amount of money each month. And she had a really vibrant life, very involved in the arts, Mm -hmm. to travel and um, he completely had everything set up. So at the time of his death, she was totally taken care of. Really smart, took care of a lot of things. What he neglected to do was look at what would happen if he had a long protracted illness, such as Alzheimer's, that lasted for, it's going on 12 years now. Mm. And where the trustees that he set up got older and um, other family members ended up taking over the trust. And now she is She's been embroiled in all kinds of legal issues. Um, the, the amount of money that's been flowing to her has slowly been dwindling. Mm. And she's also looking at, at the time of her husband's death, her income is going to go down by half. Mm-hmm. And so as much as she has a very abundant lifestyle and she has more than a lot of people you know, could ever dream of having, for her it's a major issue in transition time mm-hmm. because of uh, the 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 shift for her. Like if anybody's listening to this and thinks about living at a certain level and then all knowing in the instant that somebody that you love that you've been losing for 12 years dies, you're going to go down to half of what you have. Like in that instant, and it's not like she's young and spry. You know, she's having to kind of reinvent her life at a very um, tender age. And uh, she's having a really hard time being still. It's one of the things that she's been working on is the thing how I, I would, get back to how I would deal with that person yeah. is um, to to work with her cognitively. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is to ask questions about her beliefs. So I would ask her, what is it that you have found in your life essentially has made you happy? When you think about the things that you genuinely feel over the course of, of time, not just in moments, but over the course of time, that have consistently made you happy, what would you say those things are? And often when we start to, to look at what, you know, to distill it down to happiness versus 
a lifestyle, you know, you can start to, to, you know, actually deconstruct with a client what it is they think is going to make them happy. That, that there's an automatic assumption if my income goes down in half, I'm no longer going to be happy. And so when we look at, you know, what is it that really makes you happy, you can begin to see, well, how can we create that with the money you will have, you know? And I think that is the key here is looking at how do I make this adjustment? How do I make this adaptation from the inside out? If we, we can, we can argue for the loss of, you know, of a, of a particular material lifestyle. But it, when you really source what, I mean, like what I got down to when, you know, when I lost everything was, well, what really makes me happy is walking in nature. Yep. You know? That makes me happy, you know, uh, prayer, you know, being able to sit and, and connect with, you know, with God made, made me happy. Eating certain kinds of foods, like I said, you know, having pasta, you know, connecting with friends made me happy. When you really distill down, they did a book, you know, The Geography of Bliss, and the cultures that were, that were the happiest were not the cultures that had material wealth. Yeah. You know, yeah. it didn't translate as happy to happiness. Yeah, it's a really good distinction. And what I love about what you described for yourself is um, the things that make you happy don't necessarily cost money or don't cost very much money. And I'm thinking about when I went through my divorce uh, and was like really looking at what was next for me and rediscovering myself and what sourced me, um, I realized that there were things that really mattered to me that made a big difference. And one of them was dancing. Uh And I hadn't really been dancing in years. And when I was younger... And I had gone through a huge transition when my mother died suddenly. Mm. I would dance every chance I got. And it made a, it was huge. It made all the difference in the world. And it was a great outlet. And getting back into dancing was great. And then yoga, you know, going to a yoga class on a regular basis, being around other people, spending time in my body where all I was focusing on was that particular stretch, right? It was like a, my mind got to turn off for a little bit. And yeah. kind of got to reconnect with that. So, yeah, it's yeah. a really good good way of thinking about it in terms of yeah. what is it that truly makes us happy and tapping into that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so tell us a little bit about, you have, like, such a varied background. And your approaches, you know, anybody who's listening to this is going to be like, wow, she's talking, there's, like, a very spiritual component to what you're saying. There's a psychological component. There's a scientific one. You even... You mentioned something in passing about something to put on your pasta that it gives you something with, like the olive oil. Like what? Could you just <laughs> yeah. tomatoes? Cooked tomatoes. You know, there's been a lot of press on this. Cooked tomatoes uh, produces lycopene, which is good for the heart. You know, so um, that's oh. why the Mediterranean diet. You know, because it's a balanced diet. You know, you know involves the, the greens that give you the minerals, lycopene and vitamin. Uh, is it vitamin A? I think that's in tomatoes. But when you cook tomatoes, it actually gives you that which raw tomatoes doesn't give you. So, oh my gosh, that's so great! So, you, you, yeah, you're just you're such a researcher. Like you really look into all these different ways to have the body be healthy and rejuvenate. Can you share a little bit about how you brought yourself back to a place of health mm-hmm. despite what the medical profession said? That's quite an extraordinary story. Um, I started to, to do research on how this particular toxin, uh, Stachybotrys charterum, affects the body, and uh, the liver seems to seem to be a big part of this. So I 
did detoxes, liver detoxes, you know, glutathione um, IVs, went to a doctor and, and had um, did glutathione IVs, for example. But I think, you know, there's the whole physical detox, but you also have to do your own emotional. Whenever you go through some kind of major life transition, it's about clearing the resistance to your life suddenly changing. Ah. And life changing for the good, as some people would, would think of in inheriting money or coming into a lot of money, or the loss of it. So it's, it's do, how do I, where do I uh, experience loss in my body? Because for most people, when I query audiences and I speak about change all the time, you know, I, when we distill it down, what's the fear of change? It's the fear of loss. So there's, there's some loss that we're, we're registering. So where do I feel loss? When I think about this change that has just come into my life, where do I register it in my body? And then just bring your breath right into that place. So if it's in your stomach and that's where you're feeling the fear of change, breathing into that place where the loss is, mm-hmm. where you're feeling the loss, and just keep allowing the breath to come in until you start to feel something shift. Mm. That is part of it. That's just a simple part of one of the tools that I give people in terms of clearing emotions. Because once you can clear out the fear, and this often goes back, when I, when I work with a client one-on-one and I work with people a lot by phone all over the, the world, actually, um, the, the thing we want to do is to, to be able to get to clearing out that emotion so that the mind then can be more problem-solving, can be more solution-oriented. You can't do that when you're sitting on top of, you know, fear and, you know, dread. <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Yeah, it's like the they talk about the amygdala brain, this very small reptilian brain. It's, it's, it's all about fight or flight and very, yeah. very little access to the greater cognitive abilities that we have to um, come up with creative solutions, to see yeah. those new possibilities, to even see those synchronicities as they're happening. It's, it becomes... Yeah. It's a very narrow approach versus more open and opening up possibilities. You cannot do it until you clear yourself emotionally, until you're feeling safe. Human beings want to feel safe, you know. So until we feel safe, we can't see, um, we we can't engage and embrace, you know, change. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in, this is the Wealth Psychology Hour on Sylvia Global Media, and we are talking with Dr. Tony Gallardi, the author of Life Quake, the, uh, the method for change in uncertain times is really quite extraordinary because I, I want to talk about that a little bit in terms of your global approach because there's a very internal personal perspective that you bring in terms of when life happens. You know, work with a lot of women that are in transition because of um, their husband dying or divorce and they've got the divorce settlement and they've got all this money but like there's a lot of emotion attached to it like you said. And then there's also there's the impact of the global uncertainty that's happening and the, the changes that are happening around the world and especially on the financial markets. And, you know, I know people that are watching the ticker tape going across their screen, even as they're watching this, you know, like making sure that their stock hasn't gone down a half a percentage. You know, how do you work with uh, the impact of the, the kind of the global aspect of change? The seventh stage of my model is about that, you know, that once you've uh, – you know, use the tools that, that I give, you can become an agent of change. And so when somebody comes into a lot of money, we look at, when I'm working with a client, you, you look at what's your life, you know, what could be my life purpose now? How could I use some of this to actually make the world a better place? 
And when we become an agent of change, not only are we going to shift the world stage, you know, and have an impact, and the power of that is tremendous. I think the best job in the world would be to be able to have the kind of, be able to set up a foundation where you could actually give money out to worthy causes. So um, altruism, the studies on altruism have shown that your immune system is stronger when we give, you know, when we are actually an agent of change in the world and are, are about using our resources to make the world a better place. We feel better. Um, where the, Our mood is better. You know, there have been studies done on depression where they had college students who were depressed Three months of volunteer work, they were no, not depressed. 75% of them were no longer depressed after that three-month period of time. So when we use your money, when one uses one's money for good, uh, that completely changes your life for the better. You can really see, wow, there is something here that I now have an, a, a possibility for that could make the world a better place. I want to I want to jump in here. This is really great, and um, one of the things that we really are strong proponents of here is tapping into what is it that sources you personally that you're really passionate about. So there's no agenda about where you should put your money or how much you should put it towards. It's more like there's just research that's shown that the more you are tapped into what you're passionate about and being engaged and knowing that your contribution makes a difference can yeah. really make a huge difference in your health, overall health and well-being. Uh, there's one client I have that um, she's uh, really passionate about the arts, and she actually we've been looking at um, her cash flow and what's been happening, and she uh, she overwhelmingly gives a tremendous amount of money to the arts. It's very important to her, and one of the things we were looking at was that she's um, gone from having a lot of abundance to more of a fixed abundance that's in her life, and we use the analogy of the goose with the golden eggs. And as a young goose, there was like, you know, a plethora of eggs that were just being, you know, they would, you could give freely. And then when you, you need to be grounded in your financial situation to know, like, what are my parameters of, like, how many eggs can I give where mm -hmm. I'm not depleting myself? And also, there are people that I work with, Tony, that they, um, they give way more than maybe they have the capacity to or mm -hmm. that... Um, deplete them in other ways because of guilt or shame around the money that they have. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we look at is kind of like that balanced plate with all those wonderful foods. It's like, yeah, giving is a really important part and making sure that you're sourced because mm -hmm. um, when there's that sense of lack or there's something going on with your own personal self-esteem, sometimes we will um, pick up the bill with friends as a way to like almost apologize for having more money. And that mm -hmm. taking away from oneself and others through the giving. So do you see that at all, or how to give from a place that's sourced? Or There's a wonderful book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I would recommend anyone, actually, I would recommend anyone reading it, quite frankly. But one of the things is about proportion. We just talked about, you know, balance, mm -hmm. 10%. When you think about, oh, yeah. like, your, that's, that's what creates abundance, is the 10%, you know, factor. So giving 10% of your income to whatever the charities are that you feel good about, looking at picking up the bill, you know, where you, just you picking up the bill 10% of the time. That's just a, a tithing nice. kind of principle yeah. that I use in my yeah, life. Yeah, that's great. I want to make sure people see that 
The Richest Man in Babylon is a small paperback. We're not talking about a huge, monstrous book. And um, it's, a, it's something that I often recommend. I'm glad you mentioned that one. And I like the idea of abundance through time, through our money, through giving. And, you know, research has shown that people with less dollars in their bank account tend to give more, tend right. to do that 10% way more than people that have a lot. And I'm not sure what that is, but it comes from a place of lack and scarcity. That sense of, um, you know, I know I have a lot, but I could lose it all. or uh, And not tapping into this abundanza flow, which is I'm so sourced that, you know, I have so much to give and um, I can do it in a way that feels really good for me, you know. So. Again, what we, you know, here's the through thread that what we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. about self-worth. Yeah. Okay, so the, when I find myself worthy, when I am enough, then... It informs how much I give and how much I receive, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is that kind of circular energy that I think creates abundanza. Yeah. It's a circular energy of giving and receiving. Do you think that it makes more of a difference when you're giving um, not just your money but also of your time? Like um, a lot of people yeah. are on boards or volunteer. Um, the last chapter of my book, I talk about the tithing principle of 10% in terms of actual money and 10% of energy, that you give 10% of your time. You know, I do believe that actually, and, you know, I worked in Hollywood. I mean, I had a lot of celebrity clients when I was living in Los Angeles. And one of the things that I heard with her over and over again is how much they really enjoyed actually going out and doing things like going to Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, and devoting time, you know, that there was so, such, rather than just writing a check how much well-being they got from that. So I absolutely believe that, you know, actually putting in time, you know, it also, you know, connects you with, you know, people who have it less. You you get a sense of, you know, when you think, oh, my God, I have half of what I had, I'm now making, you know, I now have 100,000 a month or whatever it might be. Um, And then you go and you work with somebody with nothing. You know, you, you devote some time to Habitat for Humanity or whatever it might be. There's a, a whole reframe that goes on in which you get a reality check for, you know, your wealth. Yeah, and I, I, again, one of the things that I want to talk into here is the, one of the reasons why we do this show on wealth psychology and why it's so important to us is because there can be so many emotions attached to it. and The, the emotional impact is huge. And when you say that, I already know that there's listeners that it's like, that just falls right into the shame and guilt that they might already experience around it. And it can be quite paralyzing and overwhelming. Like there's so many different issues and I have so much, there's so many, way more people than I could ever help. And it causes um, people to either um, not be strategic in their giving and just to like whoever asks they give and they're not tracking, they're not, they're not taking care. And, they, or the other side of it is not doing anything at all, just feeling paralyzed and not doing anything, and then finding themselves falling into patterns of soothing that anxiety that are not so helpful or healthy for them. So here we go back to, it's, it's the same principle about purpose, mm-hmm. that when you get to what is it that I'm passionate about, I cannot help the, the whole world. Yeah. So, you know, when, I, when I'm working with somebody on career direction and getting clearer about what their really, you know, purpose is meant to be now, 
it's the same thing. It's the same principle of of how where you put your money is what am, if I really have a passion for animals, that's what I really care about. Then put your money there, you know, uh, or or 10% of it, you know. Um, find the thing that you really can connect to. That's not about the fact that somebody called you up and hit you up because they're, you know, looking for a $1,500 plate, you know, donate donors, you know, for a charity, you know, uh, auction. It's, it's really more about what do I care about? What am I passionate about? And putting some resources in that direction. And I think that really dissolves shame, you know, when passion dissolves shame. Oh, that's great. And when I think about Avondanza and the Italians, they're very passionate in how they speak and how they live. And, you know, what, how do you help people tap into their passion when maybe they are feeling pretty disconnected or maybe that they don't have permission to? You know, a lot of people that I work with, they, um, they feel a tremendous sense of overwhelming responsibility as stewards of wealth that somebody else created. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do I express myself and my passions in the world in the face of also the sense of obligation around other people's passions and what, what they might be imposing or saying that this is what this needs to be used for. You know, how, how do you support people in that? I think, again, it's about tapping in, you know, getting quiet enough to, for us to, to I give an assignment. One is called connecting the dots, which is to spend the next three weeks paying attention to where your energy goes up. What do you find yourself interested in, um, ignited by, because it's the same, you know, when it comes to wealth, it's the same principle as choosing a career. If you were to choose a career based on what your parents want you to do, or the family wants you to do, okay, you'd be miserable. And many people do do that. You know, I've worked with physicians who became doctors because that's what their family wanted them to do, you know. I just worked with a man recently whose father always wanted to be a doctor, and so the client became a doctor and ended up with chronic fatigue syndrome and had to go through a whole crisis of leaving his profession. So money is the same, actually the same principle, that if, we're, if we cave into the pressure of the people around us who are saying, this is where you should put the money, um, it, you're not being true to yourself. So by, by collecting data, by seeing where does my energy go up, where do I genuinely feel the desire to contribute, you know, and where do I find myself feeling obligation, you know, the obligation energy isn't going to serve, and it's definitely not abundanza. It's not authentic. Yeah. So I, I attention to that. And I want to speak into something you said, because listeners can take it in a bunch of different ways. So I want to be take a lot of care here that um, while uh, it's super important for our own health and well-being to take care of our, our integrity in the world and what matters to us, I also want to say that there's uh, multiple roles that people play in families, for sure. And uh, you may find yourself being asked or being told that you're in the role of executor or right. trustee or power of attorney to make major decisions on behalf of your parents should something happen and they can't, mm-hmm. or medical decisions. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want people to hear that as caving in. It's more like, you know, there's really important roles that we have to take on, especially when there is a sense of being a money uh, manager and being competent around being a good steward of this wealth. It's yeah. yours for a time, and it's meant to also be for future generations. And so there's this, again, this balance. And I love what you said about having a really a moderation and balance in your life in terms of these different things. Just like overeating a huge plate of pasta wouldn't be healthy. 
taking the money and doing it all towards what you're passionate about and to, you know, to everybody else be damned is not necessarily going to be a healthy move in terms of if you own things with your family members or if you have to uh, make decisions as a foundation about where the money goes. So it's really that interface of, hey, this is what matters to me. This is what really is important to me, and I care about you, what's important to you, and how do we move forward with some of the constraints, with some of the pressure. And I, I'm thinking about one family in particular where one son absolutely followed in his father's footsteps. And for him, it was like he couldn't wait to become a pilot like his dad, and he couldn't wait. And then the other son was like, nope, I'm going the opposite direction. And the parents were really terrific, and they kept opening it up from this place of be the best you can be at what you're really feeling drawn to, and know that we love you, whatever you choose. It's not we don't have approval about this career is good, this career isn't, but definitely show up with our core family values, mm-hmm. like integrity and honesty and um, you know loyalty, like whatever their values were. So. That's that's one thing I wanted to stress as well because there's such an important thing in terms of how you empower people to get their own lives back and to be in direct response to, okay, the world's hitting me with all this. Who am I in relationship to it? And I wanted to just presence that other piece. Do, do you have anything you would want to say about that? I just think communication is so key. You know, um, before having any kind of important conversations where you need to share, this is what I'd like I, this is what I'd like us to do, you know, with this, with the, the resources we have now. Um, that you get quiet enough. And this is something I, I teach people to do all the time: is to connect energetically. What we know from quantum physics oh. is that that whole expression "we are all one, the world is one" is actually true. That we are energetically connected, which is why. Larry Dossi, the MD who studies on non-local healing, that you can actually exact, exact healing from, he, from being in Houston to being in L.A. From, you know, a, a healer can work with someone by phone and actually exact healing across time and space. I say that because if you're going to have a communication with your family before you have that communication, to literally connect energetically with them in your consciousness and see that, uh, that we are going to all align for the highest and greatest good of the foundation or, you know, the money that's being appropriated before you have that conversation, you know. So I think that that helps. You know, it's not about alienating anyone, you know, for what you think is best. Well, you know, it's interesting what you just said because I was listening to you earlier when you talked about the Italian approach to cooking food and cooking it with love. And I was thinking, well, some listeners might be like, what? But it's it's the same kind of principle, isn't it? That the attitude, the thinking that we have about what's in front of us, whether it's the food or the people, has like a vibrational effect that has an impact on the people, on yourself, on how you relate. Wow, that was really, uh, that took us to a whole other level. And one of the things I love about this and Sylvia Global Media is we are so passionate about getting this out on the airwaves whether it's through the auditory, through listening, or through visual now. This is our second time of being live and, you know, seeing each other's faces. And I love the idea that maybe somebody across the globe is going to look at this video and it's going to touch their hearts and maybe they will have some sort of different way of interfacing with 
their money, their family, and their life that could, could bring them more of that abundanza that you're talking about. And with just a few minutes left, I want to make sure that our listeners know how they can access Abundanza, how they can access more about you, and what you, how you interface with people that give them even more value. Sure. So my website is lifequake.net or lifequake.com. My email address is drtoni, Dr. Tony, at lifequake.net. And um, uh, people can email me or contact me through my website. I do coaching with people all over the world, and, um, and I speak at various events. Great. And I know that you also have programs, so I would recommend people go to Tony's site and sign up for her newsletter. She, there's something I get from Tony that I love, which is uh, it's like a, a wonderful uh, newsletter that shows up in my inbox with this five-minute, like, oblong. Danza hit. Like, okay, I can take that and take it into my day. It's a lovely reminder. It's a lovely way of looking at, oh, okay, change is going to happen. It's a given, right? Like, what are the two givens in life? Change and taxes. And that's like, and, and, you know, it's you like. Know, by going to the website, there's also lots of free stuff, you know, that, that I give away. There's, you know, a free teleclass and there's a free ebook. And, you know, so, you know, by signing up on the newsletter, you also get a bunch of free stuff. Wow, that goes right back to what you said at the very beginning in terms of Abundanza really translating to that generosity of spirit. And you have such a generous spirit. And it's, you know, I feel really honored to know you and to know about your work. And um, I love being able to maybe get it out there in the world a little bit more. And uh, we have an evocative question for people, which is where are you seeing yourself right now in terms of a particular transition or change? And our inspiring invitation is now to look at how you might be able to draw on gratitude or generosity of spirit towards um, being able to approach that change from a little bit more of an open place as opposed to that contracted, um, stressed, uh, lack place that you were talking about. And then our useful tool that we recommend that everybody consider getting is your Life Quake book. And that's by Dr. Tony Gallardi. Thank you so much for joining us. And for you know, being so passionate about doing what you can for people and their uh, approaches to change. And what an extraordinary thing you beat death three times. I just feel so, like it's a like, little miracle that we get to talk to you three times over. And thank you for being such a light in the world for what you offer. Grazie mille, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tony. Have a wonderful day. And we want our listeners to have a great day, too. And, you know, again, you've been tuning in to Wealth Psychology Hour at Sylvia Global Media. And I'm Emily Bouchard, your co-host with Dr. Jamie Traeger-Muni. And hopefully Jamie will be joining us in a few months after she's done with her radiation. And we'll be continuing to presence her and her passion for really helping people thrive in the emotional world and impact of, um, you know, uh, wealth and money in their lives. So thank you so much, Dr. Tony Gallardi, and thank you to our listeners. This program has been made possible by Weatherby Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com 
Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City. 